morning and welcome to Real Truth for Today. I'm your host, Pastor Jeff Shreve. I'm the pastor of First Baptist Church in Texarkana, Texas, and the founder of From His Heart Ministries. From His Heart is a national and international radio and television ministry heard every weeknight at 6 p.m. right here on American Family Radio. We want to talk today about the issue of anger. Anger is a big, big problem in our world today. It's a big problem in homes. Now, joining me in the studio is my dear friend and teammate at First Baptist Church in Texarkana, Dr. Chris Schroeder. Chris deals with a lot of uh, married couples and a lot of people in conflict and people uh, facing difficulties. And Chris knows a lot about the issue of anger and how it causes uh, terrible trouble in marriages and families. So, Chris, welcome to Real Truth for today. Thanks for having me. Well, okay, in your counseling, and you have a pretty extensive counseling ministry at First Baptist Texarkana, uh, how... How important do you do you see the issue of anger as it relates to people's interpersonal problems? Oh, that's a huge, uh, huge issue. I think that um, many people suffer with anger. Uh, to be honest, I think most people suffer with forms of anger. Comes out in different ways. Um, there's different types of ways that people express anger, but I think a lot of people struggle with the issue. You know, when I think about uh, anger, I always think about Cain. He's mm-hmm. kind of like the the first angry guy uh-huh. in Scripture. And uh, in his story, Genesis chapter 4, the Lord uh, had Cain and Abel come before him uh, to give their offerings. And, and as we read, you know, the whole counsel of God, we know that when you come before the Lord, you come before him with a blood sacrifice. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. And so Abel came God's way. He came with a blood sacrifice. Cain came his own way. Mm-hmm. Woe to them, they have gone the way of Cain, the Bible says. And it says, for Abel and his offering, the Lord had regard, but for Cain and his offering, God had no regard. So Cain became very angry, and his countenance fell. And the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry, and why has your countenance fallen? Chris, when you talk to people in the counseling room that uh, you can sense they're angry, do they do they own the anger? Do they if you ask them why are you so angry will they will they argue with you that they're not angry people or will they say here's why I'm angry? Yeah, that's a good question. I think that is the first step is acknowledging that you do have anger. A lot of times I think people have a misconception about anger. They think that anger is just blowing up you know, yelling, um, punching things. Uh, That's just one form of anger. That would be, um, there's three types of anger. There's those who are spewers, and they're just, that would be more of the yelling, uh, you know, hopefully not, but it could be violence. Um, Then there's stuffers, and stuffers are the ones that just, you know, put it deep down inside, and it doesn't come out, but it's still anger. Uh, Definitely not, not healthy to be that way, but there's a lot of people that are stuffers, and then there's leakers, and leakers are really leaker is a uh, someone who's passive aggressive. So there's still anger, but it comes out in sarcasm, um, you know, little put downs, little uh, just real passive aggressive. So there's different kinds of anger. So a lot of times people think, well, I'm not angry, but they might be, and they're just stuffing it. Yeah, I learned from the movie Anger Management there 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 are implosive and explosive yeah, people. That's a good way to put it. And uh, that's that's what Jack Nicholson taught. Yeah, me. there you go. And uh, so the explosive person kind of knows. Okay, I got an anger issue. I, I'm like a volcano. I blow up over every 
everybody. And, but then I feel better. Mm-hmm. Um, Ada Ferguson, your predecessor, mm-hmm. used to say, you know, when you throw up, you always feel better. Mm-hmm. And so when you're angry and you just let it all out on somebody, well, they're, they're left covered in lava, but you feel better. Um, so it seems like if you're an explosive, angry person, you kind of know, okay, I, I seem to blow up a lot. An implosive angry person is kind of that slow burn. Uh, it's churning in there for a long time. That seems like that might be more difficult to deal with. Yeah, you're bearing it, but uh, there's a really high possibility, like 99% chance that it's going to resurrect. So you can bury it all you want, but it's going to come out, and it's probably going to come out at a inopportune time. So it is coming out, though, for sure. So, Chris, you and I have talked about this before. Ephesians chapter 4, be angry and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun and do not let the the sun go down on your anger and do not give the devil a place, an opportunity. Uh, What what is that verse telling us? Well, the first part is crucial. It says be angry. I think sometimes we read right over that. But anger in itself is not necessarily a sin. There is times where we need to be angry. And in fact, um, maybe sometimes we need to be more angry. There's things that uh, God is angry about. There's injustices. There's sin that makes God angry. We see that in Jesus. Jesus got angry about things. And so there's things that we need to be fired up about, that we need to have anger about. So it says be angry. But the problem is um, not to hold on to that and not let that anger become bitterness. When we hold on to it, um, we go to bed with that anger over and over, time goes by, and then it turns into bitterness and resentment. Right. So you have the the good anger is righteous indignation. Mm -hmm. Uh, That typically doesn't get us in trouble. Right. Uh, I tell people all the time, we're like, well, Jesus got angry and this and that. It's like, yeah, he did. And just like you said, Chris, it's good to get angry about the things that make God angry. But righteous indignation doesn't typically get us into trouble with our interpersonal relationships. Yeah, we could use that as an excuse. There's not a lot of things that we would have righteous anger over. There are some things we'd have righteous anger over, and that's where we've got to put some action behind it, and we've got to do something about it. Right. The abortion issue, for instance. Right. Abortion, for sure. There's a lot of social issues that Christians need to stand up and need to have some fire, need to have some passion about um, and do something, not just talk about it and complain about it and yell about it, but actually put some action behind the words. Right. You know, uh, last Sunday I talked about transgenderism and God made us male and female. And, you know, when I think about what's going on and how the, the kids are getting affected and getting destroyed right out of the starting gate, that makes me angry. Mm-hmm. And to see parents that would go along with this or or even encourage their kids to, you know, let's go through gender reassignment surgery and take hormones and all that. Uh, if that doesn't make us angry as uh, um, Christians uh, to see these people being destroyed at such a young age, what will make us angry? Right. I was listening to your message. You know, I really was listening. And you, uh, <laughs> you said um, – we need to be passionate about this because it affects our children. And maybe it didn't affect the older generation as much, but it does affect our children. So I would definitely say that's something worth fighting for. That's worth, That's something worth being angry about. But we have to do something about it. Right. Yeah, you put that anger into into use. Um, and, and into use in a way where you're speaking the truth in love. You're not speaking the truth in anger. But the anger fuels you to get involved 
and to say, hey, you know, just like with the school boards that we're seeing, you know, hey, you're indoctrinating our kids. Well, we're angry and we're going to vote you out and put people on the school board that have Christian values and want to protect our children, not destroy our children. But, Chris, when you when you think about uh, difficulties in marriage and difficulties with moms and, and their moms and dads with their kids, uh, that's not a righteous indignation situation. That's a hurt feelings and bitterness and resentment, and um, that has devastating consequences. Right. I mean, it's probably a really fine line some t- sometimes, but um, when I'm thinking of the right kind of anger, it would be a passion, you know, and in our relationships and our, especially our family relationships, there needs to be a passion. The opposite of that um, would be apathy, would be not even caring. And so, um, you know, like in marriage counseling, I don't mind when there's a little bit of fire, when there's a little bit of back and forth and even voices raised because at least there's passion there and we can work with that. But we can work on how to um, tame, the, tame the anger and tame the passion and use it in a positive way. Right. I think in marriage, if, if there's just blah, that's mm-hmm. a, that shows, hey, wait a minute, this is serious, serious, because we might have gone past the point of no return. Uh, I know you're a big sports guy. You love the Rams. You love the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, you watching the Super Bowl versus me watching the Super Bowl, because I really didn't care who won. Um, your passion is a lot different from mine in watching a game like that because you love the Rams. Is that a righteous anger if I get <laughs> fired up at the Rams? Um you know, but I mean, that's kind of a, a cool little illustration that mm-hmm. just shows the reason why we get fired up about our teams is because deep down we love them. We want them to win. We want them to do well. Uh, if you're just watching two teams you don't care about, um, you might get excited about the game, but you're not getting upset that this guy missed, you know, the game-winning shot or they missed the field goal or whatever. It's like, nah, oh, well, that happened. But if somebody's in, invested emotionally uh, that kind of can be crushing. Yeah, there's a couple that came into my office yesterday, and it was their first visit, and it was heated. It was passionate. And uh, I told them in the middle of it, you know, you're showing that you love each other. <laughs> you can say you don't love each other, but you wouldn't be this passionate right now if you didn't have love for one another. And we just got to work on, um, I teach couples a timeout rule. I think I got this from uh, Lesson Leslie Parrott. When you, uh, when you get in a heated time, your, your blood pressure goes up, you, you start to breathe really hard and you start saying things you regret. You start doing things you regret. Either one of you can call a timeout. Just call a timeout and walk away. Breathe, pray, mm-hmm. but you've got to come back. In 20 minutes, you've got to come back and now go back to the issue and start working on the issue. But 20, it only takes like 20 minutes to cool down and get back to the issue. Right. Well, I think the question that the Lord asked Cain is a good one for us to really you know, consider when we do get angry, why are you so angry? Um, what is what is causing this? Do I have a reason? Because sometimes we can misread a situation or sometimes we can uh, just say, you know, uh, you spilled the milk and it made me so angry. Well, that shouldn't have made you that angry. You know, I was uh, I ask people sometimes this. Are you an angry person? Nobody likes to answer, yes, I'm an angry person. And they say, no, I, I get angry, but I'm not an angry person. And there's a way to tell. You know, if minor irritations cause you to just lose it, mm-hmm. you get caught in traffic and you just go berserk. You know, uh, somebody cuts you off and you just like, 
wait a minute, this, this the punishment is not commensurate with the crime. That would be a dead giveaway that there's some issues in your life, maybe totally unrelated to what happened, but there's some kind of resentment, some kind of bitterness that's causing you to be uh, angry, and there's anger just right underneath the surface ready to come out. Have you seen that in your counseling? Oh, yeah, because anger is a secondary emotion. It's not a primary emotion. So anger is a the red light, you know, the uh, check engine light in your car. It means that something is going on in the engine. Something's going on under the hood. And so you've got to go back to the, you got to go back and see what is the truth emotion that's going on. They say that with anger, the two primary emotions that are, could be happening is uh, fear. There's a fear of something or sadness. Mm-hmm. There's some. There's something sad that you haven't really dealt with. There's something that you have a loss that you haven't really grieved. And the anger is a secondary emotion. And so we have to figure out what is it? Why am I blowing up over this little thing? What's truly going on? Anger is just a uh, secondary emotion. Now, in, in the marriage relationship, when you introduce alcohol into the home, um, that seems to create all kinds of problems, especially and the anger starts to turn into violence so often when alcohol gets introduced. There's a, a couple that, that I was helping, you were helping uh, even more, and alcohol played a part, and it caused them to just scream at one another, especially the husband to the wife. Uh, how much do you see that? happening. Yeah, because the alcohol is an escape from reality and you're not really able to rationalize and have a true conversation with someone who is impaired because of some sort of chemical like alcohol so or substance like alcohol. So I mean there um uh, you can't really rationalize, you can't really have a true conversation if there's something like that involved. Right. And then the typically it's the wife that takes the brunt of that, mm-hmm. you know, in a in a relationship uh the wife is going to be uh not the one standing up to her husband probably especially if he's if he's starting to get really really angry and potentially violent um, she can really get hurt and uh, sadly we're seeing that take place in many many homes and in many Christian homes and uh, it's something that the Lord wants to change why are you so angry God said to Cain and why is your countenance fallen if you do well will not your countenance be lifted up But if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door and its desire is for you. You're listening to Real Truth for today, and I'm your host, Pastor Jeff Shreve. We're talking to Dr. Chris Schroeder about the issue of anger. We're going to take a quick break, so don't go away. We'll be right back. There's this couple named Kyle and Katie, and they were excited. They're expecting their third child, and then they got some really bad news. Their unborn baby desperately needed surgery in utero. They had switched the way they pay their health care bills from health insurance to MediShare, so they were wondering, is this going to work? It's a life and it's my son's life, and you know we should all be doing anything we can for that. Kyle knew they were looking at a mountain of medical bills. And of that, I had to pay almost nothing. We felt like MediShare was rallying behind us, almost like family. MediShare is a community of Christians who care about people like Kyle and Katie and little Liam 
who is now a happy little boy who loves to play outside with his brother and sister. You know, Liam's around because of that. We'll always remember. Find out how you can save $500 a month or more on your health care. Call 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE. 833-44-BIBLE. I've got the joy, joy, joy down in my heart. Popular Sunday school song I sung as a child. The subject is important. How do we get joy in our heart? I'm Charles Morris. Join me all week as we look at Philippians. And we're joined by musician Randall Goodgame in a series called Rejoicing in Jesus. Haven Today, weekday mornings at 4.30 Central on American Family Radio. Listen online at AFR.net. Hannah's Heart, a half-hour program specifically designed to encourage Christian couples walking through infertility and miscarriage. This is not a show that's going to promise you a certain outcome, mm-hmm. but this is a show that says however God answers your cry, we know that He's enough. Hannah's Heart with Ann Cockrell and Kendra White each Saturday afternoon at 5 Central on American Family Radio. You can find the podcast at AFR.net. The following are real-life stories from Trinity Debt Management. My story begins with debt, a lot of debt. I used my credit cards as a source of income. It was not a good situation. I couldn't pay my bills. The interest on the cards was really high. If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. I initially was scared to call, and immediately I felt relief. They contacted all of our creditors, and they put us on a plan for success. Trinity will consolidate your accounts into one easy-to-manage monthly payment, reduce your interest, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands. I've been able to pay off close to $15,000. We're doing a lot better. Please pick up the phone and see how affordable and easy it is to pay off your debt. It's a godsend. We're debt-free for keeps. Call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. That's 1-800-788-1813. Welcome back to Real Truth for Today. I'm your host, Pastor Jeff Shreve. We're talking to my dear friend, Dr. Chris Schroeder. Dr. Schroeder is the teaching pastor at First Baptist Church in Texarkana, Texas, and uh, just got promoted. He's getting his doctorate, uh, walking the stage on Mother's uh, Mother's Day weekend, right? Yep, at, Mother's at, Day. At yep, Liberty, Friday night. Liberty yep. University. And I asked Chris, I said, well, I don't know, can I still call you Dr. Chris Schroeder if you haven't graduated yet? And he said, well, they already sent me my diploma, so I guess we can. It's not on the wall yet. No. Okay, but that's pretty exciting. I yeah. remember when I got my doctorate, uh, it had been 13 years in the making. Um, normally, it doesn't take 13 years to get your doctorate, but it, it does when you uh, when you bail out of the program twice and uh, – Anyway, you it, got it. That's all. Finally, got it. I, I felt like Simeon. I now I can die, Lord. I finally finished this thing. It it's not like, fun, is it? It's uh, it's brutal, tedious. It was. I think mine was like 250 pages when I got done yeah. with all the appendices and everything. So, Doctor Chris Schroeder, he has extensive experience in dealing with couples and dealing with individuals that are struggling with the hurts, habits, and hangups of life. And we're talking about the issue of anger. 
what the Lord said to Cain, the first first recorded angry person. Now, Satan was the first recorded angry uh, being, but the first recorded angry person was Cain. And the Lord said to him, why are you angry and why has your countenance fallen? It was written all over his face. And typically mm-hmm. when we see an angry person, we can tell. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Lord says, if you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door and its desire is for you, but you must master it. Okay, so Chris, why is it so important for a person to be able to recognize why they're angry and then to address it in a godly way? Um, And as the Lord says here, sin is crouching at the door. It's getting ready to pounce on you if you don't deal with this. Why is that so critical? Yeah, that's a great that's a great question. I love how it talks about his countenance. I mean, you can just see it on someone. You can see someone that's been wearing anger for a long period of time. And so, so crucial to, it's not the life that the Lord wants us to live at all. So I just feel like it's part of that um, holy life that he desires for us we've got to fight it off. We cannot allow bitterness to take root in our hearts. And so this is a battle that we're in. And so we have to acknowledge that we have it. We have to first acknowledge that we have some sort of anger. There's something that we're angry about. Um, Here's A, B, C, D, real simple. So acknowledge that we have anger. Backtrack to the original emotion. What is the true emotion that I'm feeling? Sadness, uh, fear, worry, stress, stress. Grief. Grief. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, consider the cause, what's causing it. That's the C, consider the cause, and then determine how to best deal with it. Mm -hmm. So how am I going to get out of this? How am I going to get to a better place uh, full of more joy than full of anger? Well, I took a course when I was in seminary called The Message in Your Emotions, Mm -hmm. and my uh, preaching professor, Dr. Wayne McDill, was the, the, uh, the teacher of that class. He wrote a book on that. It so captivated me, talked about all these negative emotions and what is the message in those negative emotions that I ended up uh, with his blessing. I wrote a book uh, that was kind of written more for the common man. He wrote for more of the seminary student, but I called mine runaway emotions, why you feel the way you do and what God wants you to do about it. And one of those negative emotions was anger. And one of the things that I learned from Dr. McDill was uh, the basic Uh, issue in anger is this. I deserve better Mm. than what is happening right now. Mm. Uh, I I deserve for my job to be better. I deserve for uh, my spouse to be healthy and my children to be healthy and and my income to be uh, more abundant and um, all these things that, that we have this idea that we deserve in this entitlement. Right. You know, if, if you feel entitled and it doesn't come, well, then anger is going to come your way. That's right. And so, uh, Chris, talk about that. With with expectations, how does that play into anger? That is a great point. Expectations, it's all about expectations. So in a marriage relationship, uh, the number one reason why marriages are in trouble, the number one cause of a marriage struggling, people say finances, people say in-laws, communication, whole uh, variety of reasons. But the number one reason is expectations expecting unrealistic things to be happening in the marriage. And when it doesn't happen, that leads to disappointment and how we deal with that disappointment, the huge gap between expectations and disappointment. That's where the heart is. 
you know, and so what's going on in the heart in this gap between what we think should be happening for us, the way the relationship should be working out, and um, how short we're falling in that, the disappointment. So I think that's that's a huge part of it. Well, you know, in, as people start out in their Christian lives, uh, we have to be careful that we don't give them uh, a false representation of what following Christ is. You know, the idea of the prosperity gospel that, you know, hey, you follow Jesus and he's going to, he just wants to bless you. He's just kind of some heavenly bellhop that's waiting on you to call on his name so he can just load you down with blessings. And, you know, there's a portion of that that God does love to bless us. He gets enjoyment from blessing us. But following Christ is not easy. And I think back of what the Lord told uh, Paul through Ananias when he first got saved. uh, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings of the sons of Israel, for I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So right off the bat, Paul knew, hey, this Christian life is a life of suffering. His expectations were not that it's just like waking up, uh, you know, with warm hot chocolate on a cold morning and a fire in the fireplace. And, you know, it's it's not like that. The Christian life is is a challenge, and it's not easy to follow Jesus. Like you said, you know, you've said from the pulpit. Your be- see, I do listen to your listen to your sermons. <laughs> yeah, thank you. You've said that uh, your best life is not now. You know, this is not our best life. Our best life is in eternity. And um, I, I just so appreciate the Apostle Paul and just the way that he learned contentment and he learned how to suffer. It was a process. You don't learn that overnight, but he was learning how to suffer. And I think we as Christians have such a bad understanding of suffering because we hate it so much. We hate pain and suffering so much, so we want to avoid it at all costs. Mm -hmm. But it is a part of the – it's a part of the journey. It's a part of the Christian life. And so we've got to have a better understanding of what it means uh, to suffer. Jesus did say that I've come that you can have an abundant life. But uh, but that also includes suffering. There is times of struggle. And, uh, boy, I want to learn, as Apostle Paul learned, how to have contentment in any and every situation. Well, that's how we grow is through suffering, through setbacks, through difficulties. We don't tend to grow very well when everything is going easy. Now, Chris, I know, and you've shared your testimony before on uh, Real Truth for Today, but when your wife said, hey, I don't want to be married to you anymore and walked out and, and, and the son you thought was yours is not yours, I mean, just dropped this bomb um, on you, there had to be anger because there was a lot of hurt. Right. There's a, yeah, there's all kinds of emotions. Uh, an emotional suffering can even, you feel it physically. I mean, you feel it in every, every uh, part of you. You feel that uh, enormous pain. Um, I was when that happened to me when I received that phone call from my ex-wife that that was happening. I, mean, I was just grasping for air. You know, I felt like I got socked in the stomach. Mm-hmm. But any kind of physical pain doesn't even come close to the emotional pain. Mm-hmm. And you've got to decide in those situations if you've gone through something like that or you're going through something like that. You've got to decide: um, Are you going to turn against God or are you going to turn towards God? And uh, I realized in that situation that I wasn't going to be able to get through it without God. And so I see a lot of people, they get angry at God and they turn away from God. Um, God wants us to be honest with him. He wants us to be completely vulnerable and real with him and pour our hearts out to him. But we definitely don't want to turn against God in those times. No. And, you know, when bad things happen to us, so I've the way I've always understood anger, uh, every angry person 
has been hurt. Mm-hmm. There, there really isn't anger without some kind of hurt. You know, we're talking about watching your favorite team, and the reason you get angry when they make a bad play or something like that is because that, that hurts you because you wanted to see them succeed. And so, so there's hurt. Hurt turns to anger. And anger, if it's not processed correctly through the cross, uh, then that can turn into resentment and bitterness yeah. that sinks into a person's heart, that sinks into a home, into a marriage relationship. And that just is a poison that starts to uh, defile the, the whole situation. Forgiveness. I mean, forgiveness is the key, not holding on to it, not letting it take root, but working on forgiving, not forgetting, not forgetting what happened, but uh, working on forgiving, which is also a process. It doesn't happen overnight, but you've got to choose forgiveness and you've got to choose that you're going to stick with forgiveness no matter how long it takes. Right. Well, when I think back to what Dr. McDill taught me, you know, this idea that I deserve better than this. If you understand that the Christian life is a life that's filled with difficulties and challenges and tribulations and suffering, then you don't have this idea that I deserve better than this. You have the idea as the Apostle Paul who suffered so much, well, yeah, this is what the Lord told me was going to happen. So it's not a surprise. Um, you know, I was talking to Bob Lapine a few weeks ago on the program, and he said, you know, we were talking about unrealistic expectations in marriage. Uh, couples get waylaid when all of a sudden they run into difficulty and they never thought they were going to have that, how unrealistic is that? Man, it's really difficult doing pre-marriage uh, counseling because they're, uh, they're just starstruck and they just think, well, their love is different. You know, yes. they're never going to struggle. And sometimes I just, you know, try and look at them in the eyes and just say, you are going to struggle. It's, right. You're going to go through difficulty because life has difficulty. So, uh, it's hard to tell a young couple that um, the, that they need to have realistic expectations. There's um, there's just ways that are ingrained in them of the way a marriage is supposed to work and how uh, maybe they, they have an idea that it's supposed to be easy. If you really love each other, it's supposed to be easy. But two individuals from two different families of origin coming together to become one flesh, that's going to have some challenge. That's not going to be smooth and easy. There's going to be some challenge. No, and one of the things, you know, when we talk about expectations, especially in marriage, most guys go into marriage thinking this is going to be like a sex smorgasbord. I mean, it's just every night and it's just going to be, you know, crazy kind of love. And they, they have this fantasy in their heads. The wife isn't thinking like that at all. Right. Two she's, levels of drive. Yeah. yeah. And she's thinking about, you know, just times by the fire and talking and sharing. Well, that he's not thinking like that. Right. Her idea of romance is different than his idea of romance. Right. right. Yeah. He, he heats up quick, a lot quicker than she heats up. Right. And uh, so and they typically what I've found is they those things aren't communicated very well. And so if if his expectation now all of a sudden, you know, he thought we were going to have sex every day. They're you know, first married and then finds out, you know, this is only like two or three times a week. Um, you, you know, he, he's disappointed, but he doesn't tell her that. So he just kind of gets gets angry about it. Well, I think you hit on it. I mean, it's just communication, a lot of communication, starting in the beginning of a relationship and using language like uh, in this situation, this is the way I feel. Not you do this and not absolutes like always or never, but this is the way I am feeling. 
And you can't argue with that. That's just sharing the way you feel. So we right. call it uh, withholds. Uh, withholds are the things that you that bother you, but you don't talk about. And then you just keep sweeping it under the rug, and then eventually it piles up, and then it can has the potential to explode. Right. Well, you know, when we go back to Ephesians four, mm-hmm. so be angry and yet do not sin, and do not let the sun go down on your anger. And do not give the devil an opportunity. And the word for opportunity is topos, from which we get our English word topography. Uh, it's also translated a place. And so that really fits in with the, what the Lord told Cain. Sin is crouching at the door, and you must master it. But if you don't, it, you're going to give the devil a place, and he's coming in. Um, and so, Chris, as you counsel couples where they're, they've given the devil a place. How hard is it to get that back? Honestly, I don't, think, I don't think it's that difficult. If they've come in to get help, I feel like there's some very practical things that can be done. There's behavioral things that can be done, techniques that can be done that can help the couple get back on a better place. Sometimes you have to do behavioral things and techniques to let the heart catch up. Mm-hmm. And if a couple is in a really bad place, I'll just tell them, let's just start with a goal with for a while. Let's not hurt each other anymore. You know, yeah. let's just get back to square square one. And um, I feel like there's some simple techniques that can be used that can start to bring hope to the marriage and the marriage can be restored. You know, it, with Debbie, she and I have practiced Ephesians chapter four, verse 26, where we don't let the sun go down on our anger. We've practiced that in our marriage, but there was one particular time we were getting ready to buy a house and she wanted uh, to get this house and she was looking with her mother and doing all this work. And I just came in at the 11th hour and just said, well, we're going to lowball this because, you know, we can save money. And she got mad and she said, well, then you spend all the time looking for a house and uh, created a rift between us. And I remember that I, I started to get resentful. And the sun did go down on our on my anger, and I got resentful toward her. And what I found was it wasn't just like snap my fingers and that was gone. Those feelings kind of hung around. I made the choice to forgive her, but uh, you make a choice by an act of the will and by faith, but that doesn't mean your feelings are immediately connected to that, does it? Right, that's right. And it... Um do you take that literally, let the sun go down? Is that a literal thing to you, or is that just a matter of doing it as soon as possible? Well, I, pretty literally. I mean, we might talk about it in the morning, but we're going to deal with it. Till three in the morning, you're going to be talking. Well, maybe not till three. <laughs> yeah. But but we try. We don't let that go for a long period of right, time. Right. That's so right. that is so important. We're talking about the issue of anger, and Chris Schroeder is in the studio today. And you're listening to Real Truth for today, and I'm your host, Pastor Jeff Shreve. We know that anger is a big, big problem in many, many lives. And here's the good news. God has grace to help us in our time of need. And so the answer to anger is the grace of God. We're going to take a quick break. Don't go away. We'll be right back. AM 
AFA Accident. Announcing AFA.net slash connect. One news now. It's the one click that will link you to so many AFA platforms. Pick and choose which updates you want to receive. Easily subscribe or unsubscribe. American Family Studio. And to quote our privacy policy, American Family Association will not sell, rent, or lease your personal information to outside organizations. AFA Journal. Make a better connection with AFA at afa.net slash connect. What does the American Family Association stand for? AFA aims to evangelize the lost and disciple the believer. AFA aims to strengthen biblical marriages and equip parents to raise godly children. These values and more are part of our mission to inform, equip, and activate individuals to strengthen the moral foundations of our culture. We also support the church. We want to be a leading organization in biblical worldview training for cultural transformation. Thank you for standing with us. In the Bible, there's a story about a man born blind. Jesus heals him, and the religious leaders try to cancel the blind man. He wouldn't let them. He said, I don't know much, but I do know that I was blind, and now I'm not. His story has inspired billions of people to greater faith. But here's the interesting part. We don't know his name. A man said to me once that my teaching had changed his life, and then he blushed and said, I'm so embarrassed, I don't remember your name. It ruined my day. God uses people, you know, in great ways when they don't care if others remember their names. I'm Steve Brown. You think about that. Share what you just heard with a friend. Go to youthinkaboutthat.com. AFA Foundation Director Riley Wildman. A charitable gift annuity is perfect for AFA supporters with an eternal perspective like Lucy Overstreet. Psalm 78 tells us that we are to tell our children and our grandchildren and the future generations after them what the Lord has done in our lives and what the Word of God says. Lucy's charitable gift annuity will keep supporting this ministry for generations. I wanted something that would have eternal value, and that's the way I think of the American Family Association investment. Contact Riley Wildman and her staff at the AFA Foundation and find out if a charitable gift annuity is right for you. 800-326-4543, extension 345. Or visit our website, afafoundation.net. My life is not about me, it's about him. Welcome back to Real Truth for Today. I'm your host, Pastor Jeff Shreve, the pastor at First Baptist Church in Texarkana, Texas. We're talking to Dr. Chris Schroeder, who's also on staff at First Baptist Church in Texarkana, and we're talking about the issue of anger. And Chris, as we uh, as we ended out this last session, uh, we were saying how, okay, what is the answer to anger? What is the antidote for my anger? And uh, one of the things that uh, that I mentioned was the grace of God. That's and right. so how important is grace as we deal with this, this big giant? Oh, I mean, that's so crucial. I love how you brought that up because um, 
God's power can supernaturally do so much more than we can do in our own in our own effort in our own flesh, and so we need God's grace. And I've seen God's grace. I've experienced it. I've seen it. Uh, God's grace work in relationships and bring healing in relationships and bring healing in individuals who struggle with, um, as your book title, runaway emotions. And so um, God's riches at Christ's expense. Um, God giving us not what we deserve. You know, not what we deserve, but God giving us uh, so much more. Well, when we think about anger, uh, you know, the question to Cain, why are you anger? Uh, why are you so angry and why is your countenance fallen? Uh, there's a big issue of control in, in an angry person. You know, things aren't going the way I want them to go. People aren't doing what I want them to do. God is not blessing the way I want him to bless. And it's really, there's a pride issue and it's a, it's, hey, I deserve better and things should go the way I want them to go. Uh, That's a ludicrous way to look at life because so much of life is outside of our control. And so uh, I've always told people, hey, you got to yield control to God. He's in charge of everything. You're not in charge of everything. Um, how how have you seen that play out in marriages and in families? That's that's a good point in the Serenity Prayer. You know, the first part of the Serenity Prayer, it says, "Lord, grant me the serenity, the peace, to accept the things I cannot change, and then courage to change the things I can." And so sometimes I'll have an individual make a list, you know, with a line down the middle. You have two columns on the one list. What are the on the one side of the list? What are the things that you have no control over? There's a lot of things that we have no control over. Right. But then on the other side, you write the things that you do have control over. And sometimes people say they have, don't have control over anything. There, is, there are things that you have control over. And so write those things on the list. And the things that you do have control over, uh, as, as um, Henry Cloud says, be ridiculously in control of those things mm-hmm. and surrender the other side completely. Right. So we try to hold on too much and we try to do too much in our own power and we try to juggle too many things that leads to so much stress and hurriedness in our life, which I think are key um, ingredients to anger. Well, in a marriage, and I tell couples this all the time, in a, in a marriage situation where there's difficulty, uh, you know, a husband can't change a wife. A wife can't change her husband. The only person you can change is you. That's right. And and you do it by yielding yourself to the Lord. I mean, he does the changing, but but we can control if we're going to be soft clay in the hands of the, the master or if we're going to back off and say, you know, leave me alone. I'm going to do this on my own. And so that's the only person we can change. And that's why in marriage, for Christians, when you're having a difficulty and you pray about it, your spouse has to be willing. And so the the only person you can change is you. And if you'll get serious about changing you, you'll normally see, hey, your spouse starts to respond to that. This is why I love doing marriage counseling, because um, we don't always realize this or live like it, but marriage is the greatest sanctifying tool we have you know it can really work in our hearts if we allow it to um you know another person so different than us coming together to become one flesh and so it's a great tool that god uses to get those uh those rotten areas outside of us out of us those hard areas outside Mm of us right well i remember dr mcdill said hey when you're angry uh you have a choice and here's the choice when you feel the anger coming on just know 
God's grace is sufficient for my every need, and I can choose grace over my control because my control is what, hey, this isn't going the way I want it to go, so I'm mad. But if I choose God's grace, then it's like, but Lord, I can't control this. You, I can't control this other person. You control everything. I choose your grace. You know, the Bible says this in Ephesians, or Hebrews chapter 4, verses 15 and 16, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. So Jesus was tempted with unrighteous anger mm-hmm. because he is tempted in all things as we are. It says, therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And in those times where we're feeling the anger come on, that's a big time of need. And God says, I have grace for you in that situation. Right. No temptation has seized you. Um, He always gives us a way out. And um, we see that in the life of Jesus, the perfect life that he lived. He was fully tempted. He he could have given in to sin, and he, he did not. So... Chris, what's your encouragement to couples that are at each other at each other's throats? They seem like they can't they can't have a conversation because they keep getting you know it's a yell fest. Uh, what should they do? Well, I mean, there's simple techniques that I could uh, teach. Uh, you know, on the radio, I could teach, but um, I would really encourage you to get the help that you need. There's good Christian counselors out there that are biblically based uh, that can be. Uh, solution focused. It doesn't have to be necessarily long term. It can be short term. Right. I hope you're a part of a, a church body. I hope you're a part of a church family, and you have um, pastors that you can go to. Maybe even on on a staff that you can go to. They can get the help that you need. But um, uh, start with uh, you know as we're trying to talk about today. Just start with start with prayer. Start searching your own heart and and uh, ask yourself what is it that i'm contri- how am i contributing to the problem mm-hmm. start looking at, at self and see where am i contributing to the problem what could i do differently instead of um you know the toxins that sip in, uh, seep into a marriage would be uh, blame mm-hmm. uh self pity you know not taking responsibility and just feeling like you're the victim right but instead uh throw that away and start saying okay what what needs to change in my own heart right so god's counsel to Cain, if you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? So doing well means, hey, I got to start putting some things into practice in my own life. I have to start seeking the Lord. I have to start obeying him. Mm -hmm. And so Cain didn't obey the Lord. He didn't come the way God told him to come because uh, it says in Hebrews chapter 11 that faith offered his offering by faith. Well, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Nobody has faith without the word of God. So Abel knew that that's how you come uh, because God said so. Cain said, no, I'm going to come my own way. If you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? So, hey, maybe you're listening today and you really have an issue with anger and you're honest enough to say, I know I'm an angry person. Um, Doing well. What would be the first step in doing well? Forgiving? Oh, forgiving would be huge. Um, I would challenge you to write a letter of forgiveness to your spouse. Uh, you forgiving them, you taking them off the hook. And I'm not saying that you deliver that to your spouse right away, but you start writing it, you start putting it out on paper, and you start praying about it until you get to a place where you're able to um, really, truly forgive your spouse. And you may be in a really difficult situation right now in your marriage, and you feel like you're in a just a hopeless situation. Um, God has not forsaken you. God has not 
gotten, God has not left you. He has not forgotten you. And um, he sees and he will honor you as you do the right thing in your own heart. He will honor you. Well, we had uh, on the program on Thursday, we had Mike Courtney on and he was talking about his the, the difficult childhood he had and his his dad being just terrible. And he had a lot of bitterness toward his dad that he carried on into adulthood that caused a lot of problems in his marriage and in his uh, his failures as a husband. And he finally sat down and wrote a letter to God. And, and really shared his heart with the Lord and just said, I've been mad at you for a long time. And I feel like, uh, you know, you only like me when I'm doing well. And, you know, it's just all performance-based acceptance. And uh, Chris, have you found that to be helpful to people to really get their, just pour out their heart on a piece of paper that says, God, this is everything going on in me. This is all the rage inside of me. And just just lay it out there. I love that idea. I love that idea of just writing it out to God, just pouring it out to God. I think sometimes people think that they're not allowed to do that or not able to do that. God can handle it. You know, um, be real, be authentic with him. Um, he knows already, you know, so you don't have to shine him on. But I, I say that's really healthy to pour it out to God. We see that throughout the Old Testament. David is like that in the Psalms. Just right. Pour it out. Yeah. I, I love that about David because uh, he is just honest. And, uh, you know, trust in him at all times, O people, Psalm 62, verse 8. Uh, pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. God's a safe place. And, and he knows all these things anyway. I don't know why we're hesitant right. to tell him because he already knows. And, and when we share with God, we're not sharing with God to give God information. We're sharing with God to get that out of our heart, out of the shadows and uh, at the foot of the cross. And we bring that to him. Lord, I've been carrying all this stuff and I don't want to carry it anymore. Cast your burdens on the Lord and he will sustain you. And um, I remember just recently, I say recently, the last couple of years, but it, it came to, to mind uh, with this person's situation. But I told this guy that was very, very bitter, you got to deal with this. You got to get that out of your heart because if you don't, it's going to destroy your marriage, your family, your life. And I recently found out that he tried to kill himself. Mm. Um, and this is over a couple of year period. So uh, that bitterness really starts to foul and fester when we don't deal with it. So you may have a right to be angry. There may be things that are legit for you to be angry about. But uh, bitterness is different. Bitterness is when it takes root in your heart. And that's that's what we want to fight against. Well, think about Joseph. Mm -hmm. Joseph in the Old Testament. Yeah. Did he have a right to be angry oh, at his yeah. brothers? Yeah. Uh, he was hurt, deeply hurt as they sold him into slavery. Mm -hmm. um, and when but, he saw them, that emotion came back. So you knew that emotion was there. All that emotion just came back. Right. Yeah, he couldn't. He had to leave the room at, at one mm -hmm. point because mm -hmm. he was wailing. Um, but he never, from my reading of Scripture, he never held on to bitterness. He always prepared his heart for the next thing that God wanted to do in his life. So he wasn't in good situations. So maybe you're in a marriage right now that's not a great situation. But he always took care of his heart. He made sure his heart was right with God. And then God always was the one that promoted him. Right. I love what it says when you read the story of Joseph. It says over and over again, the Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph. And here's the thing. As a believer in Jesus, the Lord's with us. 
He says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. And we can be honest with God and we can trust God. Uh, Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. And then right after that, it, it has the Hebrew word selah, which is probably a musical notation that means pause. But it's important to pause right there to know that I can trust God. I can tell him anything. God is a safe place for me. It's better to tell God than it is your uh, circle of people. You mm-hmm. know, God is should be the one that we go to first, right. especially people that uh, aren't believers and maybe aren't pro-marriage. You know, sometimes that can happen. You start venting and you feel, I'm just venting. It's not really doing any good, you know, so taking that to the Lord instead. Right. And the Lord understands and the Lord cares. But here's the wonderful thing. The Lord has an answer for that. Mm -hmm. So he has an answer for our anger. He had an answer for Cain. Now, Cain obviously rebelled against that. He didn't do what God wanted him to do. And then he goes out and kills his brother. And then he's surly with the Lord. Am I my brother's keeper? Um, It's interesting. This guy Cain, Genesis 4, uh, they're talking about him in 1 John. They're talking about him in Jude. Woe to them. They have gone the way of Cain. You don't want to do what Cain did. And so we deal with anger just like he got angry. And sin is crouching at the door and its desire is for you, but you must master it. How do we master sin? We master sin by the grace of God. That's the only way we can master sin because we're not strong enough to fight against sin in and of our own strength. Right. We repent of our sins. We turn away from our sins. We, we, uh, we ask for forgiveness of the Lord and he forgives us. Amen. Well, we've been talking about the issue of anger. And listen, if you are struggling with anger today, we just want you to know that uh, we care about you. God cares about you. God doesn't want to see you uh, consumed with anger. Um, you got to take that anger to the Lord. You, you got to get your heart right with him. That's the, that's the first step to healing. Uh, we recognize it, we own it, and then we start dealing with it. And until we do that, Chris, it's never going to get better, is it? Yeah, you just become trapped and stuck, and that truly is not the life that God wants us to live. No. God has a, a wonderful life. He really does. I mean, we say your best life now. Obviously, this isn't your best life now. But the Christian life is a wonderful life. It's designed to be a life filled with love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control, a life governed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Well, thanks so much for being with us today as we have talked about the issue of anger with Dr. Chris Schroeder. And let me just encourage you, go to the Lord with your hurts, with your habits, with your hang-ups. He cares. He has the answer. He has grace to help in your time of need. God bless you. Make it a great day. Shine for Christ and share what great things the Lord has done for you. I'll be with you again tomorrow. God bless. God bless.